want to talk to you tonight, a, kind of a continuation of what Pastor Dan um, spoke on Sunday. Do you all remember what that was about? Or it's already gone by? And yet I show you a more excellent way. What was the more excellent way? Love. Love, love, love. And so I started to think about that. And I actually started to look in the scriptures about who we're supposed to love, you know. I mean, do we have a choice? Or do we just love everybody? Do we have to love everybody? And so Jesus was very pointed in who he said we needed to love. He said we needed to love one another. By this all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. So the sister or brother that has got you aggravated, you're not off the hook. You got to love them. So he also said you have to love your neighbor. How many ever had a neighbor who wasn't so easy to love? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, I had a neighbor. We lived on Long Island, New York. <laughs> Are you thinking that? We were only married a year. We were on Long Island. And, you know, you don't mess with those Long Island Italians, let me tell you. She was, she was a New York Italian, and she was serious about life. And she was serious about her territory. And she decided that she was going to put her runoff from her washing machine over the little wall that separated our yards into my backyard. And so every, when, every time she did laundry, this gray water would go flying out this hose into my backyard. And uh, anyway, when I tried to talk to her about that, she got very cranky. And I thought, what is wrong with this picture? You're putting your nasty water in my backyard. So it was kind of hard to love that woman. In fact, I didn't do a very good job of it, I have to say. So maybe if we could, I could backpedal about 38 years, maybe I'd do better now. Maybe I've, maybe I've made some progress. But we have to love our neighbors. And sometimes they're great neighbors. They bring you chicken soup when you're sick. And other times they dump wastewater into your yard. But there's no distinguishing that we cannot choose to one love, to love one love, to love one and not the other. And then Jesus went on to say, oh, love your enemies. <laughs> and even love those who persecute you. And, you know, we read the amazing stories of the missionaries and people that have been in these amazing, like, circumstances where they're being persecuted, they're being stoned, they're being stabbed, they're being set on fire, and somehow they still love the persecutors and those doing it to them. Now, that may not happen to us in our lifetime. Let's hope not. But we need to love our enemies. And so when I was thinking about Dan's message, I said, Lord, that's really good. And I know it's the truth. But how do we do it, really? How do we do that? It's hard. We can love some people. They're easy to love. And then even some people that are hard to love, we might get a little victory here and there. But, you know, bottom line, there's some people in our lives that are hard to love, and we just don't do a very good job of it. And so I started to think about that. And I felt like the Lord said, you know, when you're, you're preaching the river of love, and we believe in it, we believe in the love of God, we believe that the goodness of God brings us to repentance, we believe in those things, and it's, it's a river of God that we are flowing in. But I just felt like he said, you need to just paddle upstream a little bit on that river, and get to the source, the source of that love. And that's what I want to talk to you tonight, because 
you know, we're all in the same boat. We're all trying to learn to love well and to improve in our Christian walk. And sometimes we get very frustrated and we beat ourselves up. And Jesus said, and I want to talk to you about this. He said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I started thinking about that. And I started to look in the scriptures, and it was the only time in the New Testament where Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do this. I mean, that's the whole New Testament. Jesus walking on the earth, it's the only time he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Well, everybody's depressed now, right? Because, you know, we've already been through that. We know that we don't measure up. We know that we fail miserably trying to keep those commandments. And I was thinking about, you know, even going back further, why did God even give us all those hard commandments? I mean, some of them are hard, you know. I mean, maybe do not murder, we might think about it a little bit, but most of us haven't done it. But, you know, coveting and those kind of things that we struggle with. <laughs> you know you've thought about it, Brittany. <laughs> Uh, you know, we, we think about these things, and when we hear Jesus say, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and we're like, but the commandments that God gave us were for our own good. It's like he did not give us commandments so that we would be separated from him and failing miserably all the time. He gave them to us before they, because he loves us, and it keeps us safe, Right? If you don't murder, you don't go to prison or die, right? If you don't steal, you don't go to prison for 20 years. If you don't, well, the list goes on and on. He's trying to keep us safe. He's trying to give us a full life. But we don't measure up, do we? We've failed miserably. Maybe not in those really difficult things that I just talked about, but we just fail every day in keeping the commandments of God. And so then we know Jesus came, right? Hallelujah. Jesus came. He paid the price. He paid the price. He let us off the hook. He said, look, I know you're not perfect. I know you can't do it. I'm going to pay the price. Now there's grace to walk in and forgiveness to walk in. But then in John 14, he turns around and he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. What? How did you just throw that curveball? at us. Now what do we do? You know, this is, this is Jesus who's paying the price for everything. And the Lord just started to speak to me. First of all, that it's not about keeping the commandments for performance. Like, if you love me, you're going to do what I say just to prove that you love me. If my husband is going to, if, I, if he wants to prove to me that he loves me, let's say he wants to show me he loves me, and he says to himself, oh, I took that course. What was it? It was um, the love languages. Oh, what was her love language? What was her love language? Oh, yeah. Her love language was acts of service. That's right. Okay. I'm going to take the garbage out. So he runs out the door, takes the garbage out, comes back in and says... I took the garbage out for you, okay? I'm like, okay, thank you so much, dear. And he checks it off his list, 
and goes out the door and, and minds his own business. Now, I'm really glad he took the garbage out. But he was doing it as an obligation, as a performance to prove something. You get my drift? <laughs> I'll, anytime you take the garbage out, it is highly appreciated. So just want to put that little footnote in there. But it is. <laughs> okay. All right. So, but what... <laughs> I don't have much time here tonight, so everybody calm down. <laughs> um, but I want to make a simple point tonight, and that is this, that the only way that we can keep his commandments, and we're going to talk about what they are, is because we are in love with him. Because we are in love with him. If you try to do it another way, you're just going to be miserable back in the same boat, really, that you were to start out with. Because we are human beings. And the scripture says that he remembered our frame and he knew that we were dust. That's comforting. <laughs> I mean, I find that very comforting. <laughs> that Jesus knows our frame. He gets it. He knows. He walked in flesh and blood. The God of the universe, how he did that, I don't know. How did he stay on the throne and wrap part of himself in flesh and walk on this earth? I don't know how he did that. But he did. And he did it for love. And that's what I want to talk to you about. That Jesus says that, his fa that he loves his father, and that's why he walked in obedience and that we are to do the same thing. And he had that relationship with the Father that produced obedience. So let's look at a couple more scriptures here. Let's look at Romans 13, 8 through 10. This is Paul writing to the church in Rome. He says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Ah, ha, ha. For the commandments... And he starts to quote the Ten Commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not lie, bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love is the fulfillment of the law. So we start out with the Ten Commandments. Mankind messed it up. God put them in place to keep us safe, and we screwed it up. And then Jesus came to be very simplistic and, and, deliver, and paid the price so that we could know him. But then we want to go forward in the Christian life. We want to shine with the love of God, don't we? I don't want to be a religious uh, institution. I don't want to be somebody that just talks it and doesn't shine with his love and compassion. But we cannot manufacture it. We cannot work it up. We fail. If we just try and do it and try and do it and try and do it, it doesn't work. We end up not loving our enemy. We end up not loving our neighbor. We end up not loving each other. So what's the answer? And the answer is to fall in love with him. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. 
And I always thought, okay, if I love him, I'm going to do everything right. You know, because I have to prove to him that I love him. And then when I don't do everything right and don't love, then I haven't proven to him that I love him. I've fallen off the horse and messed up. And now, you know, we start all over with the guilt and shame. And he is saying, if you fall in love with me, if you sit at my feet and you love me and you concentrate on that love affair with Jesus, then you will keep his commandments. It is a natural outflowing. Obedience is a natural outflowing of love and of being in love with him. I was thinking that it's, you know, just like the example of, yeah, just like the example of a marriage. Uh, I remember when we got married years ago, many years ago, many years ago, uh, there was a song that we had at our wedding. It was written by Paul Stuckey of Peter, Paul, and Mary. That takes you way back. Some of you don't even know who that is. And Paul wrote a song called The Wedding Song. And there was part of it that said that woman draws her life from man and gives it back again. You remember that? And he took it from scripture, um, a lot of the song, because he was a believer. And, it, and the Bible says that marriage is like Christ loves the church. And the fact that the Bible says that we love him because he first loved us. We are responding to the love of God. So it is so important that we understand how much he loves us. He loves us in our very worst state. He loves us when we failed numerous times. He loves us when we are lost on the road. He loves us when we have fallen into the ditch and the wheels are off and your head is stuck in the mud. He loves you the same as when you're doing really good, because his love is unconditional. His love is the thermostat, not the thermometer. How many know the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer? The thermometer shows you what is going on in the room as it gets hotter, it gets colder, but a thermostat sets the temperature. And it's the love of God that sets the temperature in our lives. It's his love that is a constant. You know, we might be thermostats. I mean thermometers. But he is a thermostat. And when we understand how much he loves us, that we can get up when we mess up. We can get up. When we're, if we mess up in our own lives, if we mess up trying to love somebody, we can get up and he's right there to love us back to life, to love us back up out of the ditch so that we continue on that road. And he's always encouraging. Jesus always encourages, always. I was reading somebody was talking about, hey, you know, Jesus, you know, he said this and he said that and then, and then. And I was reading it and I thought, yeah, he did say all that. And he was directing it at all the religious people of the day. Those were... Those were the only words that Jesus had that were harsh, was to the religious people. He said, well, I could go on and on, but he said, you are open tombs of dead man's bones. Whitewash on the outside and dead man bones on the inside. You're a generation of snakes. 
blind leading the blind. He went on and on. But to the broken, to the everyday guy and woman, he was like, you're healed. You're saved. You're whole. Yes, who, you know, I forgive you. Go and sin no more. You know, come down out of the tree. I'll go have dinner at your house. The thief on the cross, he didn't know what was going on. He just was like, remember me when you come in your kingdom. He's just yelling out something, anything. Desperate, throwing out a line, and Jesus caught it. And he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Come on, Jesus. He's awesome. And so when we understand the love that God has... Because we don't. We have to remind ourselves. We have to read it in the word. We worship until we feel it come down and like, yes, I know he loves me. And that is when we are able to return it. Like that song says, woman draws her life from man, gives it back again. Just as the husband is the leader in the household and he brings that protection and provision, hopefully. You know, that's his job. (laughs) to bring that protection and provision and love. And the woman responds to that, ideally. The woman responds to that love as the man leads. And so that's the love of God. As he pours out his love on us, we respond to him. Jesus, I do want to know you. I want to know you more. I want to be your friend. I want to hear you talk to me. I want to learn your voice. I want to sit at your feet. I think of, um, if you bring up that last scripture, please, um, in Luke, the story of Mary and Martha. I think it was Luke 10, maybe. Now, it happened as they went that, that Jesus entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, you do not care. Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part. And it won't be taken away from her. And I thought, oh, my gosh, especially here in the Western world, we're so busy. We are so busy. We make ourselves busy, too. Make ourselves so busy. And then we become believers. And, you know, then we have to get busy doing the work of the Lord. And we have to get busy cleaning ourselves up. And we have to get busy, you know, trying really hard and loving. And And you messed up again. Such a dummy. I thought I was over that. And then I did it. And the Lord says, there's, the, there's one good part. And she's chosen it. And that was to love him. Mary had enough sense. And Martha was awesome, too. I mean, she had the gift of hospitality, and she served, and she was a believer. But Jesus said, the best thing is to love me to sit in my presence because out of that place flows everything else and we have it backwards you know we think we have to perform how many were raised in a performance based home 
I bet you more than that, you just aren't raising your hands, but at least half of you raised your hands. And if you weren't raised in a performance-based home, you certainly were raised in a performance-based culture and society. And, you know, we are taught you perform or you are a failure, you get fired, you get held back, you get ejected if you don't perform. But God's kingdom is not that way because it doesn't work. I mean, you know, we might improve. Some people will, but some people will crash and burn. But his way is the best way. His way is to to fall in love with him, to gaze into his eyes, to pick that thing, the good thing, Jesus said, that won't be taken, and allow everything else to flow out of it. Everything. You're struggling with fear. You're struggling with, uh, you know, um, addiction. You're struggling with uh, guilt and shame. You struggle with just sins that the Bible says they call besetting sins, sins that we just can't seem to get over. But it is the love of God. It is the love of God, loving him, that all of a sudden you'll look around and say, oh my gosh, I don't feel that way anymore. He used to drive me crazy, but now I think he's the greatest preacher in the whole world. How did that happen? Were you the one that drove me crazy? I'm so crazy, I don't know who drove me crazy, but somebody did. (laughs) But we will, you will find in your journey, and we're all in different places in our journey. We're all in different places. Some of them are just starting out. Some of us have been for years and still find ourselves in the ditch. But maybe for a little, maybe, maybe, a little further down the road, maybe. (laughs) But as we go and we love him, the one who, the Bible says he is the desire of all nations. The one that people want to know, they just don't know it. They don't know that he's the beautiful one. They don't know that he's the one that validates us. They don't know that he is the one that speaks over our destiny and calls us. But as we begin to realize that and walk in that love, we find ourselves being conformed to his image, and we find ourselves loving the ones we couldn't, loving where we thought, there is just no way. And we look at people and they're persecuted and things happen to them, and they think, how could, you, how could Jesus on the cross say, Father, forgive them? They don't know what they're doing. Suffering the worst death imaginable. Because he was in a love relationship with his father. And I just want to make one more point and then we'll close. And that is this. People that try to love, people that, and really most of us are in that category because I think it's something we struggle with all the time. To try and remember we're walking in grace. To just run after that relationship with him and let the rest come. But as, um, I forgot my train of thought. It wouldn't be one of my sermons if I didn't do that at least one time. How what? How he annoys you? That's right, that's what I was saying. Okay, I remember, it wasn't that. 
that people, when we try to perform for God, it becomes a religious act. And religion makes people miserable. Miserable. And that's why sometimes you see Christians that are miserable, and then the people that don't know the Lord say, oh, the people are hypocrites, they're so miserable. Well, it's because they've lost their way, too. <laughs> they just are in the church and lost their way. You out there and lost your way. We're all trying to find our way. We, we lose our way in the church, and then we start trying to perform for God, and then we're miserable and cranky, and we don't have any joy. But Jesus said in Hebrews, um, I think that's in my scriptures, I sent Hebrews 12 to, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The joy that was set before him, well, he was walking in obedience because he loved the Father and he loved us. We were the joy that was set before him. We were the joy. And so when we love, when we come into a real relationship with him and grab that, forget the rest of it. Grab that. The joy of the Lord will be so evident in your life. The peace of God will be so evident in your life. The spirit of God that will flow in and through you will be so evident in your life. Because as we gravitate to him, he fills us and flows through us. And that love that the world is in desperate need of, and we're all in desperate need. Even within the the walls of the church, we need to know his love. We need to have that love of God will begin to flow in our lives, and it's joyous. If you're miserable, now I have been miserable in my life. Anybody else been there? You know, and you're talking to yourself. You shouldn't be miserable. You could be living in Pakistan or Cambodia. You could just, you know, having nothing to eat and dirt poor and the typhoon just came and blew everything you had which was nothing away you know I mean I talk to myself like that I've seen those places so I'm like what is wrong with you you know where you live you know what you have how could you be miserable where's your joy but there's a reason we lose our joy and and if we drift from that place of relationship with him then you know joy is up for grabs Peace is up for grabs. But when we connect with him and stay connected, you're just a happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. When Jesus washed. I can't sing, but I love that song. Sang it. I would. I really would, but I might throw my neck out. So, you know, we preach love. We preach, like Dan said, it is the more excellent way. It is the more excellent way. And we should be able to walk in it in love, in joy, in peace. And it's all about if we love him. If you love me, you keep my commandments. And his commandment, as we read, is love. It is pure and simple. Jesus said, love God first, 
then love your neighbor. See, you didn't say love your neighbor first. Because that ain't happening, Captain. You can try all, like we've been through this whole sermon. You can try. But if you don't love God first, the love your neighbor is not going to happen. It starts here. And then it flows out there. Amen. Stand to your feet.